Welcome to the Popcorn Wine Down with Tammy and Eddie. Grab your popcorn, get yourself a glass of wine, and come hang out with us as we discuss TV shows, movies, music, and pop culture. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Popcorn Wine Down. I'm Eddie. And I'm Tammy. Thank you for joining us this week. We will be reviewing Enola Holmes. But first, let's get to the wine down. Be prepared. The first story is not Tammy approved. I kind of just snuck it in here. Um, it's about the COVID catastrophe at the White House. So I really don't know what to say about that besides it is a clusterfuck of epic proportions. I concur. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is not a political show. I've said that many times. We could talk politics, but we decided to go in a different direction. Um, all I'm going to say is keep up to date, watch the news, um, and I hope for the sake of this not turning into an even bigger catastrophe that uh, the president will be okay. Other than that, yeah, it is what it is. Um, vote. Let me put that out there. Hashtag vote. Okay. Um, moving on, the premiere of Saturday Night Live was this weekend, um, hosted by Chris Rock and music guest Megan Thee Stallion. Were you able to check it out? Um, I did not. I didn't even know that it was actually premiering um, this weekend. So, um, but I do have to watch it because once I found out about it and I realized like what happened <laughs> during the episode, I was just like, oh, I have to watch this to see it. But um, yes, I, I've missed it, but I'm going to catch up on it. <laughs> yeah, Jim Carrey also debuted his Joe Biden and Alex Baldwin <laughs> came back as Trump. So um, yeah, check it out. And also be sure to check out our review on our website, website plug, thepopcornwindown.com. And again, we need to find something, a sound or something that says plug, plug, plug. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. The sound sound effects to come. (laughs) Yeah, sound effects to come. We're still working it out. It's a work in progress. Um, Moving on to productions and delays. So television productions. You know, a lot of the shows, especially those on the CW, are filmed in Vancouver, Canada. And uh, we spoke in, uh, I guess we talked about a couple of weeks ago that they were going back into production. Uh, well, those product, that production has been delayed due to a delay in COVID testing, um, getting the, the responses or the results back from the COVID test. So we'll see um, if they're able to stay on the schedule. The one good thing about that though, is the CW had said that they were going to premiere all their shows in January. Anyway, so they'll so. still be on time with like their premieres even if they have to stop it compared to the fall shows that have to stop production when they're supposed to be premiering you know this season like you know between the September and um, December line. Yeah um, and one CW show that had to shut down production was All American. Um, they had a positive COVID test on their set and they they actually filmed in Los Angeles. So um, we'll see how long that delays that show. And also Chicago Med was shut down, the show, not the hospital itself. <laughs> um, <laughs> due to a positive COVID test. So 
we will see uh, again if how that affects the Chicago One series or hopefully it wasn't a crossover episode. Um, will they even still be doing crossover episodes for the Chicago One I, series? I have no idea, but as long as Chicago PD is good, I'm good. All right, but when I start hearing some stuff about Chicago PD, now now we got some problems. Oh yeah, Chicago PD is by far my favorite of the Chicago yes. shows. Um, it's the one that I still watch religiously. Um, the others are hit or miss, but Chicago PD, I'm all in on that. Every um, week. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of uh, delays, again, uh, it looks like the movie theaters are in big trouble. Uh, we spoke about how Tenet has really, even though it's a hit globally, and it's kicking ass globally. It has failed to really capture the U.S. market. I wonder why. Um, speaking, of course. But um, it, it, it's reached $45 million here. All that is, they are talking about closing the movie theaters down again because there aren't any really big tentpole releases. And most people don't want to go to the movies to watch stuff that they could see at home or movies from 20 years ago. So um, the Bond movie, No Time to Die, has been pushed back to April of 2021, um, Easter weekend, which is about a year to the date from its original release date. And same with The Furious Nine, it's been pushed back to Memorial Day, which is a year from the date uh, from its original release date. So um, what do you think about that? Um, I mean, it is what it is. is going to end up being the 2020 saying it is what it is like what it is. with everything yeah. that's going on in the united states right now I'm, I'm with you like wait until next year and let's see how it goes because this year ain't nobody trying to go into no closed up theater in the dark watching a movie where you got people who don't want to wear masks and other people who do no mm, i'm good i'm good i'll wait till next year yeah, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying when we first start talking about all these delays. Um, I I was really I really thought they should have delayed them all anyway because um, there really aren't any movies in production this year, so you would have had an empty slate of movies next year. But a bigger problem is that you had a lot of uh, producers, actors, and big name people go to Congress and let them know the movie theaters really need to be bailed out. They were in trouble anyway because of all the VOD um, and streaming options that people have now. But with this, um, the U.S. theaters are really in big trouble. And I hate that because, I, like I said before, I absolutely love going to the movies. And it's something I'm looking forward to when the world gets back right again. So um, I agree yeah, with you on that because I, I think that's the saddest part of um, this whole thing is that what's going to happen to the movie experience because if a lot of these theaters are in trouble and they're not going to be bailed out, they're not going to be getting help, what's going to happen to the movie theater experience that we've had for so long and now next year, are they going to be able to survive to be able to wait until the big releases that are coming out next year like that's what five six months that they're going to have to wait where they're not going to have big releases because you know any movie that's on the calendar now is going to be pushed back as well to next year because we still have not got a handle on this virus yes and i can already tell you right now i am not paying thirty dollars uh um, we, then we learned our lesson with mulan 
I, I did. I definitely learned my lesson with Milan. But also, it's something about me paying $30 going to the movies, knowing that I'm getting the popcorn and the drink and just the experience and the camaraderie of watching a movie with strangers. But um, versus me sitting at home paying $30 for a movie that I can wait a few months for and download for half the price off of Apple or Amazon or whatever. So I learned my lesson with Milan. Not only was it sucky and I still want my $30 back <laughs> Disney Plus. Yes. <laughs> but um, it's, it, it's just, if that, if that becomes the option, then I can just wait till it goes to regular demand release, you know, um, or something like that. But I, I definitely... It, it's I they just really need to figure out a way to do it and hopefully save the movie um, and that movie going experience uh, and speaking of the Bond movie uh, I guess because they thought that the movie was coming out in November they went ahead and released Billie Eilish's theme song for No Time to Die which is a beautiful song I love Billie Eilish it's a great video I just wonder if they're going to have to re-release it again next year. Um, <laughs> when the I, I, I will comes agree. Out. I will agree with you. I actually really like this song. Um, for me, it's a hit or miss on the songs that she releases. Sometimes I like her voice. Other times it annoys me. Um, but I really, really love this theme song for the new movie. Um, I've actually liked the last couple theme songs um, for the Bond movies. But I think she did a great job on this one. Her voice fits it perfectly. It does. Um, I'm really excited to see that movie. And in other casting news, this one is kind of exciting. And it just dawned on me today when we were discussing it, how big it is. When I first thought, I was like, oh, okay. But Jamie Foxx is coming back as Electro in Spider-Man 3. And that's a big deal because he played Electro in the, um, in the last series of Spider-Man before uh, Tom Holland and Marvel took over um, or went into partnership with Sony for the series. So that is a really, really big deal. It's kind of like cross-casting, I guess. Yes, just a little bit. And it is. And I also want to say I'm kind of glad to see him back because in the Spider-Man movie, in the he was in The Amazing Spider-Man, I believe it is. Yeah. But uh, he... I... It wasn't a great movie, and I thought his care—I thought his character was done some disservice or injustice in that movie. Um, I was really looking forward to seeing to him being to seeing something them do something more with the characters. What I'm trying to say. So maybe um, now that Spider-Man is at home per se with Marvel, we'll see what they can do with that character. Um, also, Billy Crudup is back in talks to play uh, the Flash's father in the Flash movie from uh, Warner Brothers. Um, I hope that comes to be. I, I really think that would be interesting. If we, the Flash movie is kind of like uh, the mixtapes from JK and V. Never from, coming. Uh, <laughs> yeah, from BTS. Often talked about, but it's like, okay, now you're at the point where I'll believe it when I see it. And every now and then you get some breadcrumb of a detail that gives you hope. Just, and this, then it goes it back feels like it's oblivion. <laughs> yeah, it's just something that it seems like it's something they send out to the universe to remind you, hey, we're still here. This is still coming. You're like, yeah, okay. I'll believe it when, when I, I see, see it. it. And, and that's where I am with the Flash movie. But um, it is exciting to know that they're still dropping us breadcrumbs. Like, it's the ultimate tease, I guess. Um, and we also have the big, big casting news of the week. 
they uh, they finally cast Miss Marvel, which was amazing. And uh, she is going to be played by a newcomer who is actually Canadian and and Muslim. And I thought the casting was perfect. Isn't and her name is Aman Balani. I think it's going to do good, especially since how she's starting out on Disney Plus, and then she's going to be um, filtered into the movie universe um, that they have for Marvel. So kind of seeing how it goes. And then she's supposed to be in the, the character, Miss Marvel, is supposed to be in the second movie for Captain Marvel as an yeah. introduction her- of her character in the movie universe. So that that is definitely very, very interesting. Like the whole character of uh, Miss Marvel, I, I just, I love it. Like I love the casting. It's a no-name person. I, as well as the fact that they have decided to bring forth this character, it's that that's really a diver, like that's real diverse. So I, I love it. I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, and the character's name herself is Kamala Khan or Kamala Khan, but we'll go with the Kamala pronouncing. And she is Muslim, and I think it goes a long way to show that a lot of people are not just giving perform- performative lip service um, to their diversity goals and efforts, which you know everyone made at the beginning of the summer with all of the um, protests and everything going on and all these companies made promises. So it's nice to see that uh, some of them are actually living up to to those promises. And I really cannot wait to see when this, uh, how this all turns out. So that was interesting. And moving on uh, to another casting. This one kind of surprised me and I don't know what to think of it, but John Cena and Idris Elba are teaming up for an action film. And here's the take on it. Not much is known about it, but this is how it was described. As the odd couple meets Air Force One meets Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, I'm not excited. Like I, like I was saying when we, when we were talking, like it feels a little bit like Olympus has fallen with White House down. And it just has some big names attached. So they're thinking like, okay, like of course, this is gonna sell because it's big names, but um, I ain't got no excitement. Like, you know, no. So well, I guess it, we'll wait and see what actually comes of it. From my understanding, it sold from just from the big names. Like it was pretty much a blind pitch uh, where Idris Elba and John Cena were on the Zoom call and that got people excited about it and Amazon was one of the first studios that they pitched it to and then once Amazon heard that they were continuing to pitch it and everybody was uh, you know kind of getting geeked up about it Amazon went and snatched the pitch and they paid um, a pretty penny for it so yeah it seems like mm, I, I don't know. I love Idris Elba. John Cena is hit or miss with me as far as acting goes, but we'll see how this one turns out. I'm yeah, like, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> this might be one that I have to wait till it shows up on Amazon Prime. Yeah, mm-hmm. for free, for free. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And on to this week's K-pops. What's popping in the K-pop world? <laughs> um, okay, so first is the. There is a new K-pop girl group that is coming through. Um, They've slowly been um, debuting the members of the group. It's five members for the girl group and they're called Black Swan. But the interesting thing is, is that, and I feel like this is the first time 
Um, so it's really big news is that they're going to have a Singalese um, idol that's part of the group and she is multilingual. She speaks five languages. Um, yes, that means that she is black. It's gonna be a black girl part of this group. So that is really, really exciting. I, I'm gonna be definitely watching to see when they fully debut so I can listen to their songs or anything like that. But I think I'm already a fan before just because of, you know, the bigness of this whole thing. <laughs> I am too. And I did some research. Yes, I researched something besides BTS. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Big news. <laughs> It is, and I'm excited. This isn't the first time that they've had or tried to have um, someone of color, who meaning someone who's not Korean, in a K-pop band or K-pop group um, or idol group. But uh, I think this is the first time that group obviously really wasn't successful. But I think this is the first time where it's making a big public, where they're getting a big public debut. And um, Sister Girl is dark skinned, which I'm, yes. I'm happy, you know, uh, coming out of Senegal. Um, and she she's really pretty. And not only is she a part of the group, like she's the main vocal, she's the main dancer. Um, I don't know if she's the leader of the group, but no, I, she's I'm not the leader, but she's the main rapper. She's a vocalist and she's the main dancer. So I'm really excited yeah. to see her performance. Yeah, so I, I, I'm rooting for Black Swan already. and. <laughs> I, you know, part of the thing with uh, Blackpink, whose album was released this weekend, I was watching a video for Love Sick Girl. And again, here's a plug, plug of work. Check out our review for the Blackpink album um, on the on the website, thepopcornwindown.com. Plug alert, plug, plug alert. alert. We really do. <laughs> we really do need to come up with a sound effect. But anyway, <laughs> um, I was watching the video and... I agree with what you said last time. Please, for the love of God, let the girls actually dance. Them shaking <laughs> their stick figure hips is not where it's at. It's okay to let them dance. Um, it's and it's not. It's not even sexy. There's nothing sexy about it. I could understand if they were doing a sexy dance, but them just standing there shaking. So I hope I, that Black Swan can actually that, dance. Well, I think that also the reason why I am like waiting for that group that really does that is because a lot of K-pop groups, now you're trying to appeal to the Western audience, right? And if you're trying to appeal to the Western audience, like we actually want to see your full talent. You cannot have someone and say that they are a main dancer of your group and they don't dance. Like it makes no sense to me. And then to say like, oh, they don't have the same power as the um, the, the um, male groups. That's a lie. That's a lie. Because that we is- have K-pop artists, sing- um, solo artists who have girls in their videos who dance just as powerful as the guys in the video. So we know they can dance with power and still look good. So I don't understand why it's like, eh, eh. Like, it just pisses me off so much. (laughs) It does. And I'm going to say that's a lie, full disclosure. You know, I love dance. You know, I I consider myself a part-time pseudo dancer. (laughs) So um, as as part of quarantine, finding stuff to do, I found this dance studio and uh, they gave free lessons. And so I just, I watched the video. And as it turns out, the dance studio happens to be in South Korea. I didn't know that at the time. I just, you know, mm-hmm. and 
No, really, I didn't. I just, you know me, I just saw free dance lessons and I'm like, oh, okay, let me try this. But, and I like the video. So as I did more research and I subscribed to the channel, it actually is in South Korea. But, um, so that was, that was just something I, that was just a coincidence. But those girls there, ah, oh, shit, they go hard. So you they can't do. tell me that you, you can't tell me. And just women j- dancers in general, because my instructor here, um, she goes hard. So you can't tell me that women don't have the power and they can't be just as sexy um, dancing and all of that with all of their power. So uh, we will see. I'm, I have big hopes for, for Black Swan. Um, come with it. Come hard. And speaking of appealing to Western audiences, you were saying something about the people are upset about some of the release times. Yeah, the I mean, it's, 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 it's just getting some traction. This storyline is just getting a little bit of traction um, on the fact that now um, I think it really, really started with BTS and then the other two major groups from um, South Korea uh, also did the same thing. So BTS, when they released their single Dynamite, they released it on um, Eastern time for America, um, for the um, American market, for the U.S. market, compared to releasing it at 6 p.m. Korean time like they normally do. And then after that, Super M did the same thing and then Blackpink. So the three major groups that's coming out of South Korea, they're all now basing their releases on um, Eastern time for the United States to appeal to the American market rather than Korean market. So some people are saying that although they understand why, it's kind of like a little bit of them getting away from like South Korea being the center of um, their career and their success and their releases, which is usually how it goes. Just like instead of premiering their songs now on just Korean shows and then it trickling into American markets, they're releasing their songs in American markets on and on American shows rather than the Korean shows. So there is now starting to be some conversation about is that really a good thing or is that a bad thing for um, South Korea and their culture. Well, with BTS and Dynamite, I mean, I you know, I understand that. But with BTS and Dynamite, I, I, I understood why they did that because we know the goal. We know the goal with that song and we know the goal. Doesn't take BTS. away from them doing it. <laughs> it doesn't, but I, under, I understood it. Um, the release time here in America, for those who don't know, is usually midnight on a Friday night. Um, and I, like I said, I understand the South Korean people being upset or having conversations about it I I do and I'm not gonna weigh into it and say who's right or who's wrong in that um so hopefully you know you can't please everybody all the time that's all I'm gonna say but um I I hope they figure it out and it doesn't take away from they're um, not gonna what I don't think they're gonna stop doing it no they're not I don't either they're not gonna stop doing it but they have to take into consideration you know like I'm a big thing on them, I'm a big supporter on them sticking to their South Korean roots at all times, just because you're you're becoming a success based on that, except for Blackpink. Like, Blackpink went full American market. But, um, like, I feel like with BTS, I can understand why people would start being upset in South Korea over you changing that, because now they have to, they basically have to wait, like, majority of the next day because they're, like, 14 hours ahead of us rather than getting it when they're supposed to get it. Um, well, it's, it's well, I guess, yeah. If so, you were supposed, I, I think I understand how tomorrow. some people, yeah, some people would be a little upset. Like, yeah, their goal may be to end up getting a Grammy and everything like that. 
But while you're trying to get that Grammy for the American market, um, you know, you need to make sure that your South Korean market doesn't start to feel some type of way. And I think that's what it is, is that they're starting to feel some type of way. And you got to take that into consideration now as you're trying to achieve greatness in the American market. Well, I mean, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't. It, it comes down to an industry thing. I get it. Um, I don't know the standard release times here uh, or there, and they are 14 hours ahead of us. So, if they were to release it, if they were to release it at their time, it would come out on a Thursday here. I don't know. It, it, it's above my pay grade, but yeah, like I said, uh, we'll see how that works out. And the comeback for 17, who I call the village people because there are literally 17 members in this group. It's only 13. Around. Don't over-exaggerate. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was off by four. <laughs> Again, there are damn near 17 members in this group. Um, their comeback has been announced for October 29th. And JYP, yet Doc 7 still don't got one, okay? <laughs> exactly. That's what I was about to say. JYP, if you're listening, I don't know how the hell you have Doc 7 scheduled for a comeback this month with no date and no information. No so. date. And the month has started um, already. Yeah, so we will see. Oh, in the big BTS news of the week, they announced their new album, B, coming out November 21st. So, um, yes, we will. 20th. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Um, We will. (laughs) See, I got corrected. (laughs) I was on. Look, I was on Korean time, okay? Oh. Um, (laughs) That's a nice one. I like that. So we definitely will have a show dedicated to reviewing that album. Stay tuned. And as a matter of fact, stay tuned and we will come right back with the review for Enola Holmes. Welcome back to our Enola Holmes review. Enola Holmes is a Netflix um, adaptation of the Enola Holmes series written by Nancy Springer. And the movie stars Millie Bobby Brown as Enola Holmes. Um, she's the younger sister's uh, sister of world-famous detective Sherlock Holmes, played by the oh-so-fine and very handsome Henry Cavill. Uh, the movie begins with Enola unwittingly waking up um, on the morning of her 16th birthday, embroiled in her own mystery, um, the case of her disappearing mother. And it goes on from there. Tammy, what did you think of Enola Holmes? I'm going to give a very, very honest opinion. Oh, Lord. I thought, yeah, no, no, I am. I thought that it was a good movie. It was. Oh, my. Wait. Right? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, that's the positive. <clears throat> Hold on, wait. But, let me just let me register but, my initial shock. Okay, go ahead. But I had no interest in it whatsoever. <laughs> okay, I can acknowledge that it, it was a good movie. It, it, it was it was it was good, um, and I will acknowledge that. But no interest whatsoever. Like okay. I literally just watched it because I had to to do the review. <laughs> I would have turned it off. I would have turned it off like 15, 20 minutes in. If I didn't have to finish it. <laughs> okay, I'm confused. How can it be good but disinteresting? So basically, you're saying it was a good but boring movie? No, 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 no. 
you've never watched a movie and been like, yo, like, that's a good movie, but like, it wasn't my type of, maybe it's because I would say it wasn't my type of movie. Is that, is that a better way? Like, it wasn't my type of movie. And I also realized, here's what I realized watching Enola Holmes, is that the reason why I was such a huge fan of the Sherlock Holmes movies is because of Robert Downey Jr., not the character. <laughs> because I love Robert Downey Jr. so much that I was a huge fan of the Sherlock Holmes movies. But watching this movie and how it goes about, I was just like, yeah, nah, this ain't my type of movie. But it was a good movie. I can I can acknowledge that. And I, I, I there's some movies that I can actually like give that acknowledgement that they're good. But I just I I wouldn't have finished it if it wasn't a part of this review. Okay. I'm confused, but hopefully as we go on, you it will become Clarify? more clear. Yes, it will become more clear to me. Um, I thought it was cute. I, I also enjoyed it. And I guess I'm the opposite. Uh, I had the opposite reaction. Again, I watched it. And um, when I first started watching it, you know me, I'm the ultimate multitasker. So I was doing a million different things. And I thought I could still keep up with the movie and I was like and I was doing a good job of keeping up with it but you know what it caught my interest and it caught my attention that I actually stopped doing everything else I was doing I went and I popped me some popcorn and I just focused on the movie so I guess I was I was we we had opposite reactions to it so and it took me about the 15 to 20 minutes that you probably would have turned it off for me to actually get fully engaged in the movie and be like, oh, okay, this is something I really, really want to focus on and watch. So it had my full undivided attention, which, you know, is rare unless I'm watching something with subtitles where I'm forced to focus. Um, I'm usually doing a million different things as I'm watching. But um, so I guess I thought it was maybe a little disinteresting and then it got interesting, but I still say it was good. I don't know. Uh, again, just goes to show our um, completely different reactions <laughs> to things. <laughs> but I kind of figured, I did figure that you would like it more than me. And like, I don't know, like, okay, I'm trying to explain like my whole statement on, do you watch The Good Doctor? No. Oh, you know what show you, you watch New Amsterdam, right? I do. I love okay, New so here's the thing, right? Like, I don't watch New Amsterdam. Right now, I have watched like maybe one or two episodes, and I love the actor who plays the main character. Right, so I can acknowledge the fact that New Amsterdam is a good show, but I'm not gonna sit down and watch it. Like, I can acknowledge that it's a good show, they have good storyline, but at the same time, I don't have any interest in actually watching that show. Okay, yes, it does. So that's how Enola Holmes was, is that I can acknowledge the fact that once I finished the movie, I was just like, oh, that was actually a good movie. But at the same time, yeah, not my type of movie. Like, it, I had no interest in it, but I can acknowledge that, like, it was good. Okay. Um, so what did you think of the casting? I actually liked the casting, and I, along with you, had to get over my love of RDJ as Sherlock Holmes and realized that he wasn't the first and only because I also like um, Benedict Cumberbatch um, as Sherlock on the BBC series, which is on indefinite hiatus. But um, so- Which means it ain't never coming back. (laughs) 
I actually, I actually liked the cast. I thought the movie was very well cast. Oh, I did too. Uh, um, Henry Cavill, Superman, um, as Sherlock Holmes. Um, Sam, what is it, Claflin? Claflin as Mycroft. Yeah, as Mycroft. Um, even Millie Bobby Brown, who I did not actually know was um, British, and I don't watch Stranger Things, so you know I just know her name, but I, I never watched anything that she was in. And um, even the woman who played Edith, like I thought, oh, and oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Helen, Helena, like oh, awesome, for I love her. I just my- love. Her. Her. I love her too, and my only problem with her playing the mom, uh, Eudoria Holmes, was they should have aged her a little bit more. I mean, I know good genes and all, but uh, Sherlock and Mycroft were like in their t- late twenties, early thirties, and she still looks like she's the same age as them. So uh, that was my only drawback: is you should have aged her a little bit more. Um, you didn't have to make. Her- I felt like it, it. I felt like it worked. Like, um, like at first, I didn't even like. I didn't research who Enola Holmes was, so I didn't even know that she was the full sister of Sherlock and Mycroft. But um, once I realized that, and like they were calling her mom and stuff, and I was just like, oh, like I saw it. Like I, I could see it. Like I, I thought that I wasn't really hung up on how old she looked. Um, I, I but, was more on it. Was, I just thought it was just perfect casting all around. It was, and then I, you, I also have to remember that you know we're going back to the seventeenth, eighteenth century England. So um, you pretty much got married and had a child by the time you hit puberty. So that might explain it, you know. Um, and that was one of the big things for Mycroft. Uh, Enola had just turned 16 and he was already trying to marry her off, send her to finishing school to become a prop, to learn how to become a proper wife. Um, so it, it kind of shows you that their whole idea of education was, uh, te- for girls at least, was teaching them how to be a wife, um, how to embroider. For and the cook. rich ones. For yeah. the rich ones. <laughs> yeah, because if you weren't rich, you weren't really educated per se but um you know because she was really smart and she was like my education wasn't what most people thought it would be and it wasn't um but I how did you feel about the feminist thread in the movie I I kind of figured you would like that or that would draw your interest more what what feminist thread I'm sorry I missed that part that was the whole oh my goodness no like, I, no I, I'm dead serious like what, what are you talking about And that's what I was going to say. It was subtle, but I thought you would pick up on it. Like her mom was a feminist. And when my prof was at the house and he saw the books and the whole thing that they were voting on was women's rights and progressing London or England. And that was what that was the whole thing where her um, where her mom thought she was going to have to blow up and cause it. You know, her mom was like a radical. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, I like I really didn't focus on the feminist aspects of that. I focused more on the radical political thoughts of the times. Um, I, I, it didn't really click on it being that it was all good. about feminism. Yeah, like it didn't really <laughs> click that it was about. And you know what's hilarious is because now that you say this, I'm thinking of the scenes where it was literally in my face and I did not catch it. Yeah, when she went to when she went to the when she went to the warehouse and it had all that stuff about women's voting and yes, women's rights and stuff. Yes, 
Yeah. was happening. It was all. Yo. The meeting at the house that her mom busted her on and she kept flashing back to it. Yeah. And they were talking about what they could do to disrupt the vote. Um, Once again, that shows that um, my interest was not truly there. Because <laughs> I didn't catch any of that. Are, about and, and I thought, and see, that is the thing that I thought would grab you is because you are like way, you you know, you're the feminist. But it wasn't that much of a, like, it, it, they, in the end, I think maybe what it is, is that it was subtle hints and it yeah. wasn't like in your face. And um, yeah, like, no, like I didn't catch any of those subtle hints that they put in there because nothing of significance truly happened except for them trying to kill the boy, but you know. Yeah, and, and that was one of my also drawbacks. Like I enjoyed the movie, but I don't know. It didn't, I guess, how do I say this? It doesn't, it didn't do a great job of connecting the two storylines. Um, it was too subtle, you know, um, about the connection between Tewksbury, who was a cutie. He was, he was cute. Um, between his character and her mom's disappearance and the whole voting, like it, 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 it was too drawn out, I guess, or it really didn't connect those threads very well. Um, I, I thought maybe it played around with the subtleties a little too much, but it was, it wasn't direct. They weren't, they weren't direct about what the message was of the movie and maybe that's why it got lost in the shuffle and I was just like oh maybe they were trying to sell it more on the characters than they were on the storyline maybe that's what it was so they weren't very direct on the storyline I thought that too and I, I think you could have done both like I did love the relationship between Enola and Sherlock and I wish that they would have had a little bit more but you understand why they didn't but she is her younger brother's uh sister you know she she's more like Sherlock than anybody although I don't know if who my prof would be like their father um, and, that, and they're probably their father um cause Sherlock, because Sherlock that means Sherlock was like his mother as yeah. well as Enola's like the mom and then my prof of course has to be like the father and then the father. father was probably like him yeah um but so I, I really wanted to see more of Sherlock and um, Enola's relationship. But what we saw was really cute. Um, and I think they could have done a better job of uh, tying together the two main storylines and not and you know, you don't necessarily have to hit us over the head with it, but um, making those connections a little bit more clear so it could keep the interest of people like you. <laughs> touche touche but can I just talk about my favorite scene of the movie so sure. my favorite scene of the movie is when Sherlock goes to see Edith and first she was about to beat his ass down with a um, teapot teapot um, <laughs> she was ready she, she was so ready like she lifted up that teapot like I will beat your ass down with this and he knew it he knew it that's why he threatened her with um I felt like he threatened him with physical violence and he threatened her with mental violence. <laughs> yes. Like, okay, which fit their characters. It fit their characters. Um, but like my favorite scene that I did notice was more of the... Um, I guess I took it more as racial undertones and I guess because Edith is black. So yes, I did something horrible and I didn't take into consideration the fact of her being a woman was more of the focus than her being black. Um, so when they're talking and she tells him like, you have no interest in politics and he, he agrees with her. 
And she says, well, of course, because you are a man where you have the privilege. She talks about that you have privilege, you're a white male, so you have privilege, so you don't ever have to take into consideration any interest in politics because the world will always work for you. And I I love that scene. That that was the first time, it was an hour in to the movie where I was just like, oh shoot, okay, okay, so this this will be interesting, all right. And then they kind of went back. But um, it took an hour for me to like actually sit up and be like, huh. Yeah, I like what she's saying. I, I like that. Okay, let me see what this movie is about. And then I sat back down once I realized that that was the only scene that they were going to truly have <laughs> where they pointed that out. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a double-edged sword. Um, I think the scenes with Edith were very poignant. And I was surprised, again, to also see a Black woman in the movie. Um, and Edith was played by Susan Wacoma. I have to look her up. I think she may be a British actress. Um, but... She also, just going back to her scenes with Enola, she played a significant part in Enola's life because she was her first teacher. Um, You know, Enola had a black belt in jiu-jitsu and um, Edith was her first teacher, the first one who taught her that. And, you know, Edith was the knowledge dropper. She was the sage because she was dropping knowledge on Enola. She was dropping knowledge on Sherlock. She was just dropping knowledge left and right. And I would have to say, agree with you, she was my favorite character and I loved all her scenes. So... Um, I I could have used I could have done with a little bit more Edith um, in this movie. She, they would have made it, it would have been more interesting if they had put her a more of a significant character. I mean, she was significant in those in those short scenes that she already had with the different characters, but um, definitely would have been more significant. Um, even like I would have loved to have seen a scene with her in Mycroft. That would have been good. <laughs> to see how that worked out. But um, she was my favorite character. Although Sherlock Holmes, he had his moments. He did. Um, <laughs> I love the fact like when he walked into um, Scotland Yard and the cop tried to stop him and he was like, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> and they kept on walking in like it was nothing. And I was just like, that's so Sherlock. Yeah. And <laughs> and at the end, I, I love when he went and he basically spelled out the case and uh, the inspector was like, okay, but how did your younger sister beat you to it? And he was just like, what? And anyone else, at first Sherlock asked that, what the fuck, this, that was, don't be ridiculous, this is impossible. And then it just kind of dawned on him. If it were anyone else, you know, Sherlock being a narcissist that he was, that he that would have driven him crazy. But since it was his younger sister, it all of a sudden just turned into a look of proud over brother, which I really thought was cute. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm asking you, do you think there should be a sequel? No. (laughs) Why not? Because the first one was disjointed. I thought it was a good movie. It, It was a good movie, not good series. Well, okay. it's based. It's based on a series of books. I know. And then they're probably gonna make a second one. I get it. I get it. They're probably going to make a second one. But I would be on like, let's make this a one-off because you didn't really develop anything. And, like everybody stayed in their corners. And I, and, and as you said, I think that they were just trying to work more on character development and getting the people to like the characters or get to know the characters because. Enola, people know Mycroft because he's appeared in the Sherlock Holmes series. Um, 
people, you know, but no one's really ever heard of Enola. Like, you, she's not a character that's often mentioned in Sherlock unless it's in the books, but I know she's never really been mentioned in the movies or the TV series. And I'm not going to lie. Um, I am an avid reader, but I've never read the original Sherlock Holmes books. I don't intend to. But um, so I, I can say that for most of us, we never heard of Enola Holmes. And when I first heard that they were developing this series, I was kind of put off. I was just like, eh, you know, I, I had little to no interest in it at all. And it was a pleasant surprise. It was, it, it did have its flaws. It was cute. Um, we talked about it being disjointed. I cannot disagree on that. I, but to me, it's kind of like if you're doing a series, it's kind of like I always say about um, a pilot. You kind of have to give the pilot room, um, excuse some of the mistakes because you know it's going to find its way. So I disagree. And I would hope that they at least do another one and kind of improve upon the mistakes and give it a more coherent storyline um, and do a little bit better um, with solving some of those issues of it being disjointed. So I ain't watching the second one, Eddie. <laughs> I let you know that right now. Okay, that is not going on the list. <laughs> so what you're saying is, if there is a second one, I would have to put it as a, it would have to be reviewed as a quick pop on the website, thepopcornwindon.com. Yes, it would have to be. <laughs> it would it would have to be on the website because I am not doing a review of the second movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I'm not going to argue that. I, I, I will respect that because I'm sure there's going to be something else that I'm going to want to have to push and I don't want to waste that on <laughs> Anola Holmes. Okay? Touché, that's smart. That's smart. That's so smart. I'm not wasting my capital arguing for an Anola Holmes because I'm still trying to get uh, Euphoria on the list. <laughs> Or the Watchmen. Oh, or trying to get you to see the Woo Assassin. So by the time that happens, who knows what else I've added to my try to convince Tammy list. Mm -hmm. So let's not even put on, put down Enola Holmes too. Let's not even <laughs> try that one out. All right. So um, what did you think about it? Um, meaning, what is your final rating for Enola Holmes? Um, I'll give it a solid... 2.5 and I mean not not a that that's not bad like I, I don't give it a 2.5 on like yo like that's only half like that's only half of the five popcorn she can give no I'm giving it as in it's a starting point um it was good for what it was but because I truly never gained real interest as I was watching it I can't go above a 2.5. It wasn't a bad movie. And there are people who will enjoy watching it. But because I did not enjoy watching it, I can't go higher than a 2.5. Like, you're going to get half of all the popcorns I can give out. Okay. I'm going to give it three. And I'm teetering between three and a half and 3.25. Um... I think I'm just going to go ahead and give it to three and a half. I, I did enjoy it. Um, it was disjointed. I think that they could have done more, splint, spent more time on developing the plot and connecting the threads um, as they did on character development. But I, I think I see a series um, in the works here and it has been a successful hit for Netflix so far. Um, so it's getting pretty good reviews and people seem to like it. So. 
Um, I will give it three and a half popcorns and um, hope that if it does become a series that they that it grows, that they it improves this one that improves with the second one and not get worse. So we will see what happens. Well, that does it for this week's episode of the Popcorn Wind Down. Thank you for joining us and be sure to tune in next week when we review Hannah. Until then, I'm Eddie. And I'm Tim.